Hello, everybody. Welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio, and this is Employment Notebook. I'm your host, Tim Muma. The purpose of Employment Notebook is to examine the varying factors that may affect performance and production in the workplace. Today, we're focusing on the element of emotional intelligence, often referred to as EQ. We brought on Dr. Travis Bradbury to break down this topic. Travis is the award-winning author of the number one best-selling book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and the co-founder of TalentSmart, which serves more than 75% of Fortune 500 companies. Dr. Bradbury, thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, before we jump into the, the subject itself, we always like to give our, uh, our listeners a chance to understand where exactly that guest is coming from. So if you could fill us in a little bit on your professional experience. Well, I'm a uh, clinical and industrial psychologist by training. I have a, a dual PhD in the study of um, psychology as, as it applies to business, as well as you know the typical clinical side, uh, your shrink, so to speak. <laughs> and I just really took an interest in, in how the fields meld together. And uh, that's, that's how I got onto this idea of emotional intelligence. I think it's a skill that applies to everyone in, in every setting in which they are, you know, at home, at work, et cetera. And, and that's how I got involved. I think it's interesting you bring it up already as a skill. I think a lot of people still hear that term emotional intelligence and I don't know, maybe they're not really sure where to put it. For yourself, how do you define it? Why does it matter in the workplace? What, what, is, what are the nuts and bolts in your mind? Well, in, in its simplest form, emotional intelligence is your ability to understand emotions, both in yourself and others. So you know what you're experiencing in the moment. You know where other people are coming from. And, you know, emotions are the primary driver of our behavior. So they're just something that, that you basically tune in on or tune into, and then you're able to use that information to manage how you respond to them rather than just letting your emotions always drive the bus. When it comes then to skill, experience, that sort of aspect, because we're talking about business, talking about hiring, evaluating employees, where does emotional intelligence fall into play here? Is it even more important now than some of those other items? Does it, does it give you just a different perspective? How would you describe it in the sort of the pantheon of, of describing these roles when hiring or evaluating talent? Well, we find that emotional intelligence explains about 60% of uh, job performance in a variety of positions. Really? Um, you can imagine there are certain positions where you just live and die by your EQ, uh, perhaps you know, working in, cu in a customer service position, um, certainly for people in leadership positions. But um, like I said before, our, you know, our brains are really hardwired to give emotions the upper hand. We have an emotional reaction to um, events first. And so emotions are the primary driver of our behavior. They drive how we think. They drive what we do. And people who are, who are masters of their emotions, who understand them well, um, are able to to be more effective because they're not just more in control. You know, you don't try to stuff the emotion, but you're able to sort of channel your feelings into the behavior that you want, into productive outcomes. So when we're talking about that side of it in terms of our emotions and, and what might play a factor in how we're evaluating maybe ourselves, maybe how, we, how aware we are of others, what are some of the factors that will play a role? Like say you're comparing two different employees or two different candidates what are some of the, the I don't know, specific elements you would look at in trying to determine their EQ? Well, you'd want to do a couple things. I mean, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And um, most, most uh, job candidates can tell you all these sort of canned answers that they know you're going to ask. Sure. But if, if you were to delve into their EQ and you were going to start looking at, let's say, how they dealt with uh, a really difficult team member, someone who they didn't get along with, someone who they didn't particularly like, what they did to make that relationship productive, or 
what sort of strategies they employ in times of high stress. I mean, we all have those times where we would call that an emotional hijacking, where your stress level is so high that your emotions can easily take over. So do they have any sort of go-to type strategy that they, they, they use to keep themselves calm and in control? You know, if people can't talk about that stuff, they don't think about it. Mm-hmm. And so they're very likely um, uh, low or, or lower EQ individual than someone who can well, since you brought it up, the idea of stress, I thought that was sort of an interesting point because you're still asking people to I don't know, explain what their reactions would be versus putting them in that situation and being stressful. Do you ever find that there's a difficulty in determining how someone believes they'd act in that situation versus, you know, trying to put them in a position where they are feeling that stress and now they need to react in a certain way? You know, like I said, it, it's all about the, the details. So if, if, if someone says they, they keep their cool or they know how to keep their cool, that, that doesn't really take me anywhere. Right. Someone who can talk about specifically what they do, just as if, if there's a specific element of the job, let's say you're hiring a, a computer programmer and you want to know if they know how to code a PHP-driven database, well, you can ask very specific questions that show that they actually have the knowledge and experience there. And you can do the same thing with EQ. Just ask specific examples. What do you do? How do you manage yourself? How do you, you know, what strategies do you employ? And I think that's going to give you a lot of insight from an interview. Of course, there's nothing better than actually having someone in the moment on the job. And sure. um, that's why talking to their coworkers is a, if, if you can, if you can do that, is, is a great way to find out what they're all about. You know, I thought about asking this question later on during our conversation, but it seems to fit in here. And people have questioned me about this when I talked about this topic. Where do we draw a line? Is there any difference between the idea of someone's personality versus the idea of emotional intelligence? Personality is the thing that's most often confused with emotional intelligence. Sure. Um, most people are pretty quick to understand that your IQ or your intellect has no connection to your emotional intelligence or your EQ. You can be high in one and not the other. Mm-hmm. You can be high in both, etc. But people often, you get really stuck on the idea that emotional intelligence is essentially your personality and you either have this type of personality or you don't. Um, but there's been a great deal of research that shows that, that, that emotional intelligence and personality are separate. Um, for example, you know, personality is, your st- is a stable set of preferences and tendencies that you bring in sort of your approach to the world. Some people are, are, are born extroverts. They, they derive energy from being around people. Mm-hmm. Whereas others, they're, they're so introverted that being around other people will just sap your energy. Either one of those individuals can have a high EQ. Either one of those individuals can even be high in the specific skill of relationship management. So the way I really challenge people to look at it is that your personality is the vessel through which your emotional intelligence is expressed. And you have to work with your existing personality, but it doesn't mean you, you can't be high in a skill that's, that's sort of um, so one would think would be a real challenge based on your personality type. Well, I think that's a great way to break it down and give people the idea, you know, a specific example of how you can separate the two. Now, you've mentioned a couple of times the idea of self-awareness being, you know, having that understanding of yourself and how you react. In the workplace, how important is that? How valuable is it to be able to understand one's own emotional intelligence, maybe how it affects their performance or their relationships? I guess, where do you place that emphasis or that value on emotional intelligence? Okay, well, self-awareness is, is really, a, it's a foundational skill. I mean, it all, emotional intelligence really hinges on your self-awareness. If, if you want to improve the quality of your relationships, you need to know first what you're bringing to the table. And um, 
how you react to different people and situations, who pushes your buttons. And you need to know in the moment how you're responding to someone. So you can't help, you can't hope to, to manage yourself any differently, to approach your relationships any differently until you understand really clearly uh, sort of what, what makes you tick and, and how you tend to respond to things. So how does that work exactly? Because I, I'd imagine a lot of people are inaccurate in their own assessments. Can you improve on that? How do you know if you're, if you're in the right, you know, if you're in the ballpark with how you react to things? How, how does that all sort of come together to improve yourself when it comes to EQ? People have a, uh, an overarching tendency to overestimate their abilities. Hmm. Um, my organization's done a great deal of assessment. We've actually tested the EQ of more than a million people. Oh, wow. And by and large, the most accurate predictor of, or, or accurate measure of, of yourself is, comes from other people. Hmm. But you do need some type of assessment to get you there, and that's actually one of the things we include uh, with the book, our, our, my book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, is we include a passcode so that you can test yourself and find out, you know, get some insight into what you're good at and what you're not. And, and I think that's really important is to have some type of objective measure of, of where you are, whether that comes from talking to someone else about it, uh, someone you trust, or taking an assessment, you know, really, really realizing that you're not going to have an accurate perception on your own. You mentioned the idea that the self-awareness is really foundational and that, that that's where it has to start for people. The other, another side of that that you um, talk about, I saw with your company, is the idea of self-management. And I guess, can you maybe fill the listeners in on what exactly that means and how that correlates with the grand scheme of emotional intelligence? You know, if people really get the wrong idea. They think it's just all about sort of stuffing, stuffing your feelings and, and sort of bottling things up. Mm-hmm. Sure, there are moments where you need to keep an emotion in check. But self-management is really about channeling your feelings into the behavior that you want. It's being self-aware enough that you can then, you know, basically respond to that emotion, that you can direct it, that you can allow it to fuel the behavior that you want. That, that's the essence of self-management. One of the biggest mistakes that we see people make uh, when it comes to self-management is that positive emotions need to be managed too. Hmm. Oftentimes, you know, when, when things are going well, you know, when you feel like you're walking on clouds, or pe- people really will make some, some really poor judgments or, or judgment errors um, because they don't recognize how much even a very strong positive emotion can skew your perception of things. I like that you bring that up. I, I mean, I'm a big sports fan, so I, we always hear things like that, you know, get too high, don't get too low. It sounds like that still applies in the workplace itself. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the, that's going to be the challenge for the Dodgers going into the playoffs. Because, um, <laughs> well, they, yeah, they have plenty of confidence. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, that's, and, and, you know, suddenly the playing field is going to get real level when they're playing against um, – only against top talent. And, and you're right. It's, it's, it's about keeping a level head. Um, there's nothing wrong with enjoying that positive emotion. But if you're a leader and you need to make a critical decision for your business, as a parent, if your teenager is asking you to, you know, do something, go out with friends in, in a way that's, you know, sort of risky, something you wouldn't normally let them do, you don't want that great mood to make you just, you know, completely agreeable or, or skew your perception of mm-hmm. reality. Let me put you on the spot a little bit then. You talk about it's not stuffing your emotions, but it's it's using them in a way and channeling them in some way. And I know we're speaking generalities here, so wherever you want to go with this, but let's say as an employee, you're frustrated with the direction that maybe a project is going and uh, you're just a lot of pent up, just anxiety and frustration. What would you point to as far as what that individual can do to channel it somewhere else? How does that come into play 
with EQ and, and some of the items you've been talking about? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, feel free to put me on the spot. I'll give you an example of something that I did yesterday. Okay. I, um, I have an employee that is a really high performer, but is, is more difficult than some other folks. And there's been a, a behavior in particular that um, has been causing some trouble and for me, it, it's, you know, it can create a lot of discomfort when you have to address someone that's a higher performer. You don't want to turn them off because they're doing good things for the company. Sure. But at the same time, you need them to sort of um, tone something down. And so you know, my discomfort with addressing the person head on, that's what I got thinking about. That's what I got realizing, wow, I'm, I'm really basically pissed off at this person. I don't like how they're handling this. So rather than going off the hook, I'm just going to turn that discomfort into motivation to speak to them directly about, you know, as their boss, what it is that I need for them to do. Right. So, you know, I'm, I'm not the Dalai Lama. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I don't profess to be an, an emotional intelligence saint or anything like that. But I, I, I do know the skills inside and out. And I know that in the moment, when you're feeling discomfort over something, you can really channel that into, into a productive result. You just have to know what it is. And in my case, it was just being assertive and speaking directly to this person about what's okay and what isn't okay for them to do. So that's just one small example there. No, I think that definitely fits. And it, it kind of plays into the, another question I had regarding, you know, emotional intelligence and finding that right fit for a company culture, or maybe it's, you know, fitting in with a team, as you just mentioned, maybe, maybe you don't get along with somebody, or maybe the way they handle something bothers you in some way. Is EQ in your mind then the, the overriding factor when it comes to finding the right fit or, or putting a team together? Absolutely. I, I, it's, it's a huge component. Because it affects, you know, when, when you put a group of, of people together, you know that things aren't always going to be hunky-dory. There's going to be stress. There's going to be differences of opinion. And you want people who can handle that well, who can put the good of the group, um, the quality of the group's relationships first. And oftentimes, someone is, is able to be, you know, the, the proverbial team player because they can keep their emotions in check, because they can sort of separate fact from fiction and, and basically... Um, it's just all about the good of the group. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how else to say. That's the social side of emotional intelligence. It's, it's understanding where people are coming from, understanding your own emotions, and, and, and responding based on that rather than just sort of you know, flying off the handle or getting hurt or um, et cetera, et cetera. Things that can be really counterproductive. Right. Now, obviously, every program, every strategy, you know, it, none of them are perfect. So I was just curious what you've come across as maybe being drawbacks or challenges, uh, maybe areas that haven't been mastered yet in terms of focusing on emotional intelligence and possibly where you still need to make adjustments or where something could go wrong. Is there anything that jumps out to you based on your experience and in the research and obviously all the the work you've done? Well, the, the biggest challenge with emotional intelligence is that it takes practice to actually improve these skills. And and what I mean by that is your brain has a level of plasticity in the areas responsible for emotional intelligence that that, that with effort, you can actually physically change your brain. You can have your your neurons will will increase the um, amount of, of communication and information that passes between them, especially in the areas that link your limbic system where emotions are felt to um, the prefrontal cortex, which is the area where you think rationally about what it is you're experiencing. So as you build your awareness of your emotions, 
your your brain will try to make that more efficient. And when when you start when you try to understand them and you try to do something more productive with them, um, your your and and you do it if you just do it once or you just do it twice, your brain isn't going to try to make that efficient. It's it's sort of like going to the gym. If sure. you do the exercise enough times, the muscle will respond. So that's really the biggest challenge with emotional intelligence. Is most people when they learn about it, they're very motivated to do things differently. And, um, you know, if you only do that for a couple of weeks, if you only think about this stuff for a couple of weeks, it's not going to make a lasting improvement in your behavior. And the upside is, is, you know, with a little bit of effort and just trying to keep this stuff present in mind for a prolonged period of time, you can actually sort of um, improve your emotional intelligence for the long term, catch yourself doing things right without even thinking about it. Well, let's talk about that a little bit, it, you, the aspect of, um, you know, improving and training. Uh, just give you an opportunity to talk about what your company does as far as maybe helping organizations in this area, different tests or assessments, uh, just sort of a, in a nutshell, what, what Talent Smart does to try to help in these areas. Obviously, the, the work that you've done, the experience you have and how it all comes together. Sure. Uh, you know, my business is really geared to provide people um, mostly in the workplace, but also, you know, we have a lot of uh, universities that work with us okay. as well, provide them with the tools to increase EQ. I mean, um, when Dan Goleman wrote, wrote the first emotional intelligence book back in 95, it was on the cover of Time Magazine. He was on Oprah twice. I mean, a lot of people heard about it, but mm-hmm. that didn't necessarily give them the tools to actually improve it. So that's what we're focused on. Um, we, we provide the assessments to allow people to find out you know, measure their EQ either individually or, or via feedback from others in a 360 tool to let them know where they are today and what they can begin to do improving immediately. So um, as an example, our tests actually include um, e-learning based on your score profile. So, you know, we'd be hypocrites if we just tested you and, and left you high and dry. We need to give you the tool to learn about sure. to, to help you improve, to help you practice these things. So that's where these e-learning activities come into play. Um, the assessments include uh, a goal tracking system as well, where you can share with other people what it is you're working on, a great way to be held accountable. And then we also have um, training programs. So we have um, one and two day classroom training programs where people um, really learn about emotional intelligence in a powerful way, and then they walk with the ability to use these tools to practice over the long term. So we'll often go inside organizations and, and conduct trainings. We'll, we also um, certify people uh, inside organizations to deliver our training program so that they can go out and, and, and run these sessions with their employee population. But yeah, that's, that's really the bulk of what we do is just equipping people, very practical, um, sound strategies to work on these skills, sort of real world type, type stuff rather than your esoteric or conceptual approach to, to the matter. Well, that was one thing I was going to ask about is, I guess, I found it a little ironic that in using these assessments on emotional intelligence, I feel like you're kind of taking away that emotional uh, response that an employer might have or the biases. Do you ever find that interesting that you're sort of using emotional uh, aspects to eliminate the emotional side of hiring or assessment? Well, yeah, it's interesting, especially around hiring and assessment. I mean, you want your hiring manager to have some expertise in this stuff, to mm-hmm. understand it enough that they can spot um, where someone's coming from. And, it, and it's interesting as well because um, we actually do a little bit of that in our training as well. So um, the e-learning activities that come with the assessments are, are actually uh, video-based. So okay. you'll watch a short clip from, from a memorable Hollywood film, you know, um, uh, Julia Roberts in, 
you know, playing Aaron Brockovich or something like that. Someone having a very strong emotional reaction, and you'll learn about these intricacies based on that. Hmm. Uh, we do the same thing in the classroom training program. The facilitator um, has uh, conducts activities based around these clips. So you want people thinking about how it operates in the world around them. It's you know, you want to think about yourself, but you want to also think about how how people use these skills, how this stuff operates, and then it tends. We find it tends to open your eyes very quickly. It's sort of um, you begin to take this stuff with a grain of salt. You can, you know, someone will will do something and you'll you'll get it. You'll know where it's coming from rather than being just swayed by the emotion. With all of the research and the testing, the assessments and all the work you've done with this, do you have any statistics that would illustrate exactly why or how these strategies help, especially when it comes to the workplace? That's what we're, you know, we're focused on, uh, whether it be, you know, things like turnover or longevity, uh, anything that that's that has stood out or that anything that you've tested or uh, seen statistics on? Well, there's a couple things. I mean, from our own research, um, and like I, like I said, we've tested about a million people now, mm-hmm. a little more than a million people. We find that just 36% of people are aware of their emotions um, as they happen, wow. are, are, are acutely aware of them. So most of us are, are, are often... Um, succumb to these emotional hijackings where emotions just completely take over your behavior and we don't have a very um, acute awareness of them. Uh, I'll give you an example of of sort of applying emotional intelligence to the hiring process. There was a study conducted by the Air Force where they were turning over civilian recruiters to the tune of 35% annually. So they would hire a new batch of recruiters, they would put them through several weeks of training, and they'd have a year to hit their quota. And if they didn't hit it, they were out. So you can imagine there's a, a pretty massive cost incurred of having to basically retrain um, 35% of your hiring class every year. Sure. What they did is they took their existing hiring process and they added an emotional intelligence component. So they said, well, let's, let's hire people like we do now, but let's t- try to bring, bring in people who have these skills. And their turnover went down in, in, in year one of the project to less than 5%. Hmm. So they're realizing a cost savings of about $6 million annually through that program just by testing for EQ, by trying to make sure they're bringing people in, salespeople essentially in this case, who have these skills. Well, that's definitely a good sell point there, $6 million. Uh, I think that'll get anybody's attention. We are getting a little low on time, though. I did want to give you the opportunity here. For those employers that are listening, what would you say to them as sort of a, a final takeaway from this subject I don't want to say necessarily convincing them to seriously, uh, you know, utilize this information, but what would you want to put out there that they have uh, in terms of information and, and maybe they could store it away for, for down the road? Well, I would just really implore them to look at the whole picture, whether it's it's hiring or their own skills that they bring to situation as a leader. You know, most of us are not taught emotional intelligence growing up, and it's a really big uh, growth opportunity for even people who are highly skilled and highly successful. We find, on average, uh, CEOs, uh, believe it or not, have the lowest EQ in the workforce. Hmm. But CEOs with the highest EQs tend to be the top performers. So it's people who look at that whole picture and are able to bring, you know, the people side of the equation to to the sort of intellectual or experience side as well, and, and use the two in complement. Well, definitely great stuff you have for us today, uh, there, Dr. Bradbury. On that will bring us to a conclusion of Employment Notebook here on LJN Radio. We have been speaking with best-selling author and co-founder of Talent Smart, Dr. Travis Bradbury. Thanks again, Dr. Bradbury, for giving us some of the perspective here on emotional intelligence. We definitely appreciate the insight. Sure. Thanks for having me. Now, if you, the listeners, have any comments, questions, or suggestions for any of our shows, feel free to send us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.